Hey everyone, this is Dave DeBow here with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today, this good looking guy that's zooming in with that sassy backdrop that says shut up and do it. It's our friend Nick Allerud zooming in all the way from beautiful Boston, Massachusetts or thereabouts. <laughs> beautiful is not a term I've heard for Boston, Dave. Haven't that's you? good. Well, hey, it's all relative, Matt. It's all relative. You've been to Detroit lately. <laughs> good point. <laughs> Anyhow, thanks for being on the show, my friend. And if you haven't, if you haven't heard of Nick, he's a rock star real estate entrepreneur, podcast host, coach, you name it. I had the pleasure of being on, on Nick's show a little while ago. Shut up and do it. And I love that philosophy. So, Nick, I think today we are talking about kind of taking a little bit of a deep dive into a scary area for a lot of people. And that is messing with the Securities and Exchange Commission. And I think you had a, a brush with those guys a while ago and you learned a few lessons from it. So do you mind if we, you know, first of all, just tell us very briefly a little bit about your back backstory with real estate investing and then how did this all come to pass? <laughs> sure, David. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate that. Yeah, for your listeners, you know, as far as the attracting investors, I did have a little bit of an experience and I'm happy to share and add value. But I also don't want this... I don't want the end of this conversation to end in a negative way. So let me know how we can pick it back up once we go down the hill. You got it. Well, <laughs> why don't you tell us, how did you get into this whole world of real estate in the first place? Nick, how did that get started? Sure, sure. I'll spare you the long story. 2005, I was a banker in Boston and I was working 60, 70, 80 hour weeks being read at a school. But I felt that that was my only option since I had majored in political science and had no future whatsoever. So I was a mutual funds specialist I, and learned a lot about stocks, bonds, mutual funds, but they just had me significantly overworked. And I actually wrote a whole book on my first five deals in real estate, which also went horribly, horribly wrong. And that book is, is called Don't Quit, Stories of Persistence, Courage, and Faith, and All the Profits Are Donated to Charity. It's myself and a whole bunch of other rock stars in that book that talk about our, our horrible challenges. So I call that my first reset button. I partnered with somebody out of state. That wasn't a reputable character and I ended up losing my first five real estate residential deals in 2005. Four to short sale, one to foreclosure. Again, it's a long story. Won't get into it, but that's how I started. And by starting in that way, it definitely helped me kind of learn to put rules and procedures and mindset right in at a place. And ultimately, that's where the shut up and do it came from, which is it was just me like yelling at myself like, this wasn't you. You're not a victim. Like you own it. Like you got to, you can be mad at this guy and chase him with attorneys the rest of your life, or just say you screwed up and move on and put the rules and procedures and systems in place so that you don't do it again. Better idea. Much better. Yeah. yeah man. So that was my beginning of my residential real estate journey. And that's, that's what we do now. I think we chatted. So I, we have a fix and flip company. We have a wholesale company. We have a rentals firm that you know manages all of our portfolio of rentals. We have a property management company. We have a debt negotiation short sale company that works, has been very slow in the past year with no foreclosures, but was at its, oh, you and I both feel that way, right? Yeah. So they're gearing up. But yeah, I, I got back on my feet after those single families happened and started wholesaling because that's all I could do with no cash or credit at that point. I was not financeable until 2015. Hmm. So I was dangerous, but I had to learn hard money. I learned private money. I learned how to, as we talked about, never learned specifically. I wish I had you back then, Dave, because I did everything wrong on the attraction side too. 
but that that was my residential story. So I, I feel like if I talk too much, just stop me and interject. No, but, that's that's good. That's good backdrop and backstory, and and hats off to you for picking yourself up and continuing after that initial challenge because most people would have thrown in the towel way before way before that so i was that close point. to throwing the towel yeah, right man, that close so i'm like that. okay i'm still working the corporate grind there's still something for me out there and ultimately i met a contact at a local meetup and back then they were called rias right i think they still exist rias but he was just buying triple deckers here in the boston market in a place called somerville and he told me what he'd look for and nights and weekends i would still make my calls and go out and knock on doors and finally started sending him some contracts and he'd pay me five to 10,000 per contract. And eight months later, I had my enough money to do my first one by myself with a hard money loan. And I broke even. And for me, that was proof of concept. I didn't have to lose my entire shirt and, and wealth by doing real estate. So uh, that's, that is awesome. All right. So, so tell us a little bit about what happened with this brush with the Securities and Exchange Commission. How did that all come to happen? And then you know, we'll end off on a on a positive note because you've you've kept chugging, you've kept rolling, you're doing amazing things these days. So it's definitely not a sad ending to the story, but it's a definitely, I would imagine, a good learning experience. So what happened, Nick? Absolutely, absolutely. So we systemized the single family business, the fix and flip and wholesale business, to a point where it was operating not necessarily without me, but with without me a lot of the time. So in 2009, I felt like, well. I'm the shit now. So I'm going to start getting into the bigger stuff. There was a national guru that was out there teaching people, don't just buy a six, 12 or 20 unit, just buy a 200 unit first out of the gate. Like you can do that. Just go bigger sooner. Right. And to a point, I agree with that mentality to another point. Now, knowing what I know, that was a horrible idea for anybody to just jump right in without the experience or going through the mistakes and learning lessons. Right. Yeah. Worked my butt off to try to market in North Carolina. And I did, I got my first deal under agreement. It was 144 unit multifamily wow. and we started going through due diligence and I made my first mistake that I know you teach people not to do. I had a raised investor interest and I had back like in February and I'm like, listen, you know, here's what I'm going to be doing. And he's literally pointing the gas blower at the one open window it's, that I have. It's, it's not too bad. We can hear right. a little bit, but not that much. It sounds way worse <laughs> where you are. So, oh my gosh. That's so, okay. um, <laughs> have to have to laugh at something. So anyway, yeah, now I'm working. I, I have this deal in agreement. I start calling all my investors and I say, hey, listen, remember that time we talked and uh, we're here, we have this deal and it's we're going to be closing probably the next three months after due diligence is over. What do you say? And, you know, had no report. And the best answer I'd received and the best lesson I had received was this investor that said, who are you? <laughs> and Ouch. that was literally what happened. And I'm like, well, gosh, thank God that deal died in due diligence because if it didn't die in due diligence, it would have died with my capital raising, yeah. which was a horrible mess. And I had no systems in place and certainly no communication with my investors or frequent communication. So that aside, a group in Boston saw me out there hustling for this deal. And these folks, these three of them were coaches for this national guy that I'd taken all the courses for and I was working right. through and had invested with. And they're like, listen, I see you hustling. Why don't you just, we already own 650 units. Why don't you just help us raise equity for our next acquisition and we'll get you, you know, uh, looking at the operations and looking at how we administrate and how we function and how we do all that stuff. I'm like, this is great. And they're coaches for this big national company and I don't have to like pay in for that. Like, this is fantastic. Like, it's everything that I wanted. So I met up with the three GPs and they showed me what they were looking for. They showed me their next acquisition strategy. 
And I formulated a whole marketing, you know, campaign around that and started, I became that entity for, you know, about six months. Right. And I put my own equity in, I put, I didn't raise a ton of money. I had raised, put a hundred and something thousand of my own cash in. I had a family member come in with a hundred and something thousand dollars. And I had a few other people come in total was like 250 or $300,000 we had invested with this firm. Okay. And about four months in, I received a call. I was at my old real estate office and I still remember it like it was yesterday. I was walking up there and the, my call came in. One of the GPs called me and said, hey, Nick, listen, not a huge deal. The SEC just called us. We're cooperating. We really don't know what they want, you know, but, but I just wanted to give you a heads up. They're going to call you next. So good luck. And he hangs up the phone. And I was like, oh my God, SEC. Like, you know, I'm in my, you know, late 20s at the time. I'm like, this is serious stuff. Like, I, I'm, yeah, because yeah, you come from a financial planning background. You're aware of what that can entail. So, yeah. Oof. Oof. And I remember for three long hours, I'm pacing on the second floor of my real estate office, back and forth, back and forth, answering as many questions as I could. And, you know, where where did you come up with this? And, and, and who did you contact for this? And where did you find that information from? And this and that. Like, where did you get this flyer from? Literally just answering every question that I possibly could for them. And they don't tell you why they call, right? And and ultimately, at the end of it, three hours later, I'm thinking to myself, like, this is this is like I'm checked out of this. Like, do I need an attorney for this? And so I asked him. I said, I'm sorry, gentlemen. Like, I'm happy to answer all your questions all night, but I mean, do I need an attorney to chat with you? And their answer was, Do you feel you need an attorney, Mr. Allerud? <laughs> and to me, that was all I needed. And I politely hung up the phone. And then lawyered up, I got like, of course, the most expensive lawyer that I could find in Boston that had experience with the SEC. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. They're not telling me anything. And the first thing that my attorney said to me is, is you have to cut off communication with your general partners. Like, you just, you can't talk to them anymore. I'm like, no, they're good guys. They're coaches. They're, they have this. And they're like, nope, every, all communication is now shut down. You talk to us only. And I will do my best to try to find out what they want with you. And a huge subpoena, which took me three weeks to compile. They wanted all of my emails. They flashed my laptop. They went to my you know, cell phone. Sorry, they flashed, flashed the that. laptop. What does that even mean? I don't even know. I had to bring it my laptop to the SEC office. Oh, my goodness. They did something with it in five minutes and gave it back to me. I think they took my hard drive or they took my wow. – I don't know what they did. <laughs> they got They sucked everything off your computer and got it, basically. Yeah, in like five wow. minutes. They, they called it a flash. They wanted to That's flash great. my phone, flash my hard drive, and – I, then they subpoenaed and then they deposed me. And I'm sitting there in the Boston office, you know, with three hard-nosed SEC attorneys, me and my two attorneys over here. Can't ever be one, right? It's always a father-son team, which meant I was paying double. But hey, listen, I was just whatever it took to get me out of this. You had some friendly, friendly faces in the room with you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was it was a rough and, and even the deposition, they made it very clear, like, hey, listen, if you don't know the answer, say you don't know. Don't try to be helpful, don't try to make it up, and don't offer information that you don't think they want. And this was my very first deposition ever. Like now I've had a bunch, <laughs> but back then, right. Being mid to late twenties, I'm like, Holy cow. Mm -hmm. And I remember one time I said something, there's something that you would just say and you don't, but, but then all of a sudden, like I started because of all the pressure of the room, you start questioning, like, was that true? Did someone tell me that? Was that real? And then, you know, I have to ask for a break and my attorneys pulled me into the room and like, do you know why Martha Stewart went to jail? It wasn't because she did insider trading. It's because she lied to the SEC. I'm like, I didn't mean to lie. It wasn't even a lie. It was just me forgetting something. Can I go back and say I forgot it? Like, yeah, you say you forgot it. Like, okay, okay. So the whole thing was the high stress levels, the high tension of the whole thing. It literally causes you to like revert back to childhood and you're like just crying in front of a, a group. 
So I did all that, deposition's over, and 10 months later, they don't tell you why. And it wasn't until 10 months later, we found out that I was a witness in a case that an investor had complained for, I don't know if it was a, a late interest payment or a missed interest payment, whatever it was, an investor had complained to the SEC or filed a complaint. And at that point, when there's a legitimate complaint, they open up an entire investigation. They try to find everything that's wrong, right? And to this day, I don't necessarily know if those three GPs who I thought I knew were, did anything, what's the word, you know? Wrong. Intentionally wrong. Right. Right. But the, what their findings came back was, and we only found out once the judgment was issued, like we literally had no idea. Judgment was issued, which basically, you know, all three of them could no longer do any business in the state of Massachusetts. They were all fined $300,000. So, oh, sorry. They commingled funds between two assets. They also was evidence that one of them bought private car with some investor funds, mm. right? And one of the three GPs was an attorney and he was disbarred. And they fined them all $300,000. They seized all the assets, to my knowledge. And by seizing assets, if you have equity in an asset that's seized by the government, I'll just put it out this way. People say, what's the worst case scenario for me to invest as an LP in a deal? Now, this isn't a popular answer because some people say, oh, well, the cash flow goes down to zero or something happens. And it's like, well, no, the worst case scenario is the Department of Justice seizes the asset. And at that point, there's no active asset management. And at that point, your property managers pretty much don't care, right? Because the asset's going down anyway. So ultimately, the government then uses your asset to try to pay back the investors who were wronged, and it goes goes down to zero. And equity investors are paid back last, right? Because they're the owners. You want to pay back your investors first, your LPs and all that. So that's the worst case scenario. And at the same time, Dave, I had also invested about 100000 of my cash in that national gurus deal he had in Texas. And the funniest part was, while he was on his way to 10,000 doors or something, it became, I can't think of words today, it became known that he was having trouble with the asset and he just stopped communicating with his investors. Wow. And that was, in all us, three more than me were, you know, trying to break down his door, find out where he was, what was going on. And ultimately, the LPs led a charge to take active control again because he had just dropped off the face of the earth. And it turns out, there was a fire in that asset. And instead of just letting his investors know there was a fire and the insurance proceeds were taking too long to come in and he was undercapitalized, instead of just saying that, he decided to just cut off communications. Just drop off the edge of the earth. And that's a national guru that's still out there teaching how to syndicate multifamily real estate. And one of my three GP partners from the Boston area is still out there teaching people how to syndicate multifamily real estate. So it just makes you really question your coaches and your gurus and who you're hiring to help take you to that next level. Because, you know, seeing what, I just out, what I've seen out there, right, it was, it was a challenge. It was a whole year of my life that I'll never get back. I went through a divorce because I was going through so much stress with it. Oh and the SEC is no joke. So obviously with what you offer and teaching people the right way to raise capital and that bottom line, even if you do everything right the legal way, and you have all your paperwork in a row, it does come down to relationships and rapport with your people. Like over-communicate, right? Mm-hmm. Under-promise. And then like you, teach, make sure you continuously communicate with them. It's not rocket science, but the moment you stop communications, that I think is the biggest red flag. And that might be why that investor even put in that complaint, right? That, that launched everything else. Yeah. So that yeah. was my brush with the SEC. And it's Whoa. all nice. Well, that's great. 
Sorry, if anyone's wondering, the, the funny joke that I say, if anyone's wondering if the SEC calls you, you'll know because it's your caller ID is all nines. If the Department of Justice is calling you, it's all zeros. Just so you're aware, that's what those two numbers mean. So, <laughs> Wow, that's another fantastic idea. Hold on to that thought for a sec. We'll be right back. Now, are you a real estate investor who's ran out of cash or credit to grow your portfolio? Are you looking to grow your portfolio using other people's money and raising capital? Well, I want to show you how to raise six figures or more in six weeks or less at my upcoming Investor Attraction Workshop. You can get your ticket and find out all about it at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. We're going to spend a full day taking a deep dive into this roadmap that I've used to raise millions for my deals. And I've helped other people just like you cumulatively raise hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars for their deals as well. So again, you can check that out at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. And as a loyal listener to the podcast, you'll get 50% off your ticket when you use the discount code podcast. That's right. Discount code podcast at InvestorAttractionWorkshop.com. See you at the next workshop. Oh, man, Nick. Well, I am sorry that you went through all of that. So bottom line, it, it sounds like you lost most, if not all, of that investment. Plus, you had to pay a schwack ton of money to those lawyers to to represent you. Yeah, I'm in, I'm into the, if anybody cares, the attorneys, I think, ended up being about between seventy and $80,000 for the, for the two of them for that year. Wow. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a That's lot, but it was, brutal. again, better to have people know what they're doing, right? Hire the professionals. Yeah, no, man, that's for sure. So yeah, 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 yeah. So big, big lessons there for, for you is know who the hell you're working with. Really dig deep. Make sure that you're doing everything properly. Be careful if you are the capital raiser for somebody else's deals and and because these guys basically said hey tag along help raise a few bucks for this you ended up raising you know whatever it's 350,000 bucks but then a whole year of your life and <laughs> massive stress and all that kind of stuff no man and let's make it very clear too you know this already like it's so illegal now to do what what that structure was like you can't have someone only raising equity for your deals right? And then even getting a cut or getting a fee or whatever. Like you need someone as an active partner that's going to get equity in those deals, not just an equity raiser, right? Mm -hmm. And I've learned that. And I feel like there's just so many rules and laws around it where I still see people throwing out on Facebook saying, hey, got a new deal offering 12% returns and, you know, come on in. It's like, if I don't know if they're patrolling Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever, but I have a feeling that there's someone assigned to social media. And if that's the case, like people need to lawyer up and they need to work with, you, you know, your step formula. Like, oh, um, man, you know what? And the scary thing is if they can flash your computer and suck all that information off of it in five minutes, you think they might not be able to figure out how to get some bots going around on Facebook <laughs> looking for certain terminology. Amen. Uh, yeah, and they're man. a self-funded organization, I've, at least what I've learned. So the, the, the state SEC offices are self-funded and they rely on fines to keep themselves going. So, you know, at least Massachusetts, they were very hungry for lots of things. And I don't know about the other states, but I, I definitely caution people. Yeah, no, that is a good cautionary tale there, my friend. So let's let's wrap things up on a more pleasant note. <laughs> let's talk about what's got you excited these days. You do a whole bunch of different things. You must be a, a master of delegation there, Nick. But when it comes to to real estate investing today, what makes Nick do the, the happy dance? What's what's? <laughs> no, I love it. Dance? Real estate to me, it was formerly the end and now it's a means to an end for me, right? 
because of all that, actually, the SEC issue, it, it led me to like totally go nuts with the day-to-day operations of, of, a, of an asset, whether that's a six-unit, 12-unit, or 150-unit. I needed to know that if all this shit hits the fan, if you, uh, sorry, I'm from Boston, I say that stuff. If the shit hits the fan, what is the dirty day-to-day ops that someone would need to do to clean that up and make sure things are still back on track? So that is literally what launched me into our property management company, which is a, is a different kind of property management company. We offer like 45-point value add inspection, where literally with just that one inspection report, right? Because we're an owner, we operate as an owner. We, we know exactly how to increase in income and decrease expenses, which should 5 to 10x your value just in that first report. So we're excited about the property management stuff. I still love the rentals as a way to not just build wealth, but I'm now using that as a way to provide an impact on lots of more people. So, you know, if, if our plan and our strategy and our mission is to have every willing individual to understand their path to financial wellness, that's our underlying mission for our firm. That gives us a whole bunch of tenants and landlords that might not understand their entire path to being financially independent, to being financially and, and not just financially wealthy, but right, being wealthy spiritually, personally, with your relationships. And that's kind of our end there. Like if we can help write your financial ship, you'll learn there's a lot more there. And I love that's our mission. So anything that gets me in front of more people, we have a coaching platform now, which is not attracting capital, but it's more just getting people started in the in the wholesaling and fix and flip real, real estate space, which gets them into the rentals too. But as long as people have a deeper impact, instead of I'm just here to make money, no, we're, what are you here for really, right? Like yeah. money is a means to an end. So what's that end for you, for everybody? Oh, that's beautiful, Nick. And I, I can tell from, from your story and your personal experience, like this, this isn't some little BS sounds nice thing that just popped into your mind over overnight. This is you know, this is you slugging it through a lot of crap to become <laughs> successful and, and keeping, you know, keep on doing it in spite of what would have thrown 99% of the rest of the population right off track. You just kept, kept going. So that's Nick, the tagline, right? Yeah. That's the tagline. <laughs> like that's literally why we have that tagline is for me, for my mindset. And for no matter how many times we get knocked down, we call them reset buttons. Now, the faster we can get back up, Right. The fast, if I can shrink that down from six months of feeling angry and upset for my first five deals that went wrong to the SEC, which was, you know, 12 months, but then I recovered it about three months, like just going back into my world. Right. Like yeah. those guys, you know, I can't believe they messed with my whole life and my divorce and I'm never going to be the same. But like the faster you can get back up. Right. How fast can you actually shut up and do it and get back up on that horse? Yeah, I love it. I love it. So, Nick, if people want to find out more about you and how they can shut up and do it. What should they do? <laughs> I appreciate that, Dave. Sure. Feel free to check out. So I'm I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm still one of those old people that are still definitely on Facebook a lot. Facebook Messenger is a good way to reach out. You can check us out, our company at aarealestategroup.com. Or you can also check out our podcast. The website currently when you're seeing this is going through renovations. I'm hoping it's up when people look at it. They can check out the podcast, which does have Dave on it at shutupanddoitrealestate.com. Dot com, or you just go to Google or your Apples or your yeah. your your internets internets browsers and find those things too. <laughs> All right, well that's fantastic, Nick. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you opening up and and your your transparency there. I mean, it's great to hear all the good stuff, and you've got a ton of good stuff that that you've accomplished. And sometimes hearing some of the crap other people have gone through just puts things in perspective. A, it helps us 
hopefully avoid making those kind of mistakes ourselves. And B, it puts some of our much smaller mistakes kind of in perspective and says, hey, you know what, if this guy went through that kind of stuff and picked himself up and dusted himself off and, and went on to great success, then what am I pouting about? 100% agree. 100%. Yeah. And just for the record too, like right now we're working on taking down like a 40 unit, $4.2 million deal. Like there's certain, there's great ways to do it. There's great ways to make a lot of wealth through it. And I think people just need to have that right mindset as to why are they in the business, right? And if they have the right why, they're going to attract the deals. If they have your system, they're going to attract the capital. And that's really the two things you need besides the operational expertise. Awesome, my friend. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you All very right. much, Dave. All right, everybody, take care. and We'll see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, InvestorAttractionBook.com. Take care.